the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Zach and Krista Horton, and this week we are here to study in Doctrine and Covenants section 93 with you. I love this section. This is one of my favorites. I probably say that every week. Yeah, I was just going to say, Zach, you're not allowed to have another favorite section because you already said that last week. Maybe it's similar. I mean, they have similar topics, section 88, section 93, a lot of light and truth. And so maybe that's why I like it. But Wait, maybe you've said it three times in a row because I think you said it for 89 too. Oh, well. We'll have to go back and reference it to be sure. But the, this one's really, really the, one of my favorites. <laughs> I was going to say, the ultimate thing is it's his favorite and we're excited. We say that every time. Actually, I didn't say I'm excited this time, but there you go. Now we're, we're okay to be here. And excited. But this section, like Zach said, is full of so much good stuff to study. And the interesting thing about this section is that there's not a lot of background as to how this section came to be. Joseph Smith had already finished the translation of the New Testament, and this revelation then came a few months after that. And so most likely, probably what he had been studying in the New Testament and then maybe reading in John spurred on some of these questions that he had about who God is and who Jesus Christ is and what our relationship is like to them, which has just some rich stuff that we get to study today. So to dive into this section... One of the things that we discovered as we studied was the repetition of the word fullness. Um, and there's a lot of things connected to that word. So, for example, um, verse 4, the Father, because he gave me of his fullness. It's the first time we see the word. And then the Lord goes on to explain what that fullness is or what's included in that fullness. So, for example, verse 11 and I, John, bear record that I beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, in verse 16, I, John, bear record that he received a fullness of the glory of the Father. And then in verse 17, even though it doesn't say the word fullness, he received all power, both in heaven and on earth. And the glory of the Father was with him, for he dwelt with him. Then in verse 28... He that keepeth his commandments receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. So a fullness of grace and truth, of glory, of power, and now of light, which in verse 29, the Lord equates with intelligence. Man was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence, or the light of truth, was not created or made, neither indeed can it be. And then, finally in verse 33, uh, the elements are eternal. Spirit is element inseparably connected. Receive a fullness of joy. Now, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, what I think is happening here is the Lord is describing something that isn't actually separate, distinguishable things. I think he's describing something that is big and eternal and encompassing. And it yields a lot of different outcomes. For example, uh, this light, this intelligence that he's describing, helps us to see things more clearly. It's also a power by which things are created. It's truth. Um, it's joy. And whatever it is, the Father and the Son are full of this light, this truth, this intelligence. Well, and I love 
these synonyms, I guess you could say, as we're talking about this fullness, this all of these words that you use, Zach, I really just like the idea of, you know, when we talk about being whole and Jesus Christ making us whole, it's all of these words that maybe man creates to try and understand this feeling of um, how God can make us feel as we turn to him. In fact, you saying that reminds me of that parable um, Elder Uchtdorf shared years ago in conference where he talked about the men of Indistan trying to describe the elephant, right? They're all blind. They've got a different part of the elephant and they're describing right. it to each other. I kind of think that's what's happening here where the Lord is describing different aspects of his power, of his light and truth and what it does for us. But the main takeaways, and I think there's three of them, is one, the Father and the Son are full of light truth, intelligence, power, glory, and joy. They are full. Number two, it's very clear that the Son, Jesus Christ, grew into that fullness, right? Verse 12, he received not the fullness at first, but received grace for grace. And he received not of the fullness at first, but continued from grace to grace until he received a fullness. And so the third, so the first truth is that the Father and Son are full of truth and glory. The second is that the son grew into that fullness. And the third is that we are able and maybe even expected to do the same. I love in verse 19 where the Lord clarifies that he's talking about all of this, what happened or what the, the, how the son grew from fullness or grew from grace to grace to a fullness. And the Lord clarifies, I give unto you these sayings that you may understand and know how to worship and know what you worship. And so he's helping us understand, let me show you who I am, um, who this person is that you worship, and at the same time, help you understand how to worship him, i.e., we worship Jesus Christ by growing ourselves in light and truth from grace to grace until we can receive the fullness. And isn't that just a beautiful teaching? I, I always resonate I'm sure many of us do with the idea of grace and this idea of thinking grace to grace that it's a learning process it's step by step and maybe it's not always directly upward we have it's rocky it's there it's part of just the grit of life but that he's there along with us to guide us and direct us I was thinking this week as um, many of you um, I'm sure are feeling the same way of um, that darkness or that unknown of settling in as we start back to school with an unknown variant of COVID happening around us. Um, what is that going to look like? This it's it, you know, for me, it's all of those anxieties of last year coming back of like, Oh, we're heading into another school year and another, um, flu season and cold season and all of that. And on top of that, we have this news around the world of countries collapsing and evil prevailing in parts of the world that just make you sick and make it really scary and feel dark. <laughs> the opposite of what light is that we're talking about today. And that darkness can feel really heavy. So whatever your worries are, I know that's been the prevailing thing that I've seen as on social media and in the news, but, um, and that has been heavy on my heart. And I just, you can feel that darkness creep in so easily. 
in verse 39 of this section, it says, And that wicked one cometh and taketh away light and truth. And I think we can see this on a large scale, maybe in your own personal life, that it's very easy for darkness to creep in, um, in our hearts and in our lives. And we need the constant reminder that light and truth really can prevail. In verse 36, the glory of God is intelligence, or in other words, light and truth. I think the feeling that I got as I studied this section is that light and truth can prevail over darkness, and we need it. We need it because the world can get confusing and can feel dark, but that God is there waiting to help us bit by bit, grace by grace, receive his light. I love what you're teaching. Um, I even like how specific verse 39 is, that the wicked one cometh and taketh away light and truth through disobedience, so through our own actions, um, or because the traditions of their fathers, through the other people's actions. And I think we see examples of that in the world we live in. As you mentioned, the, the political turmoil that's happening Um where light is lost because of disobedience or because of traditions of fathers or because of outside circumstances. And so I love this, uh, this light and truth, this glory and intelligence that God is trying to infuse into the world, into us, and um, to, to help us feel joy and to help us see things uh, more clearly. So the question that we want to ask this week to help you invest more into your study is... How can I receive more light or all of those other good words, grace and truth and glory and power and intelligence and joy? How can I receive more of those things? And to help me answer that question, I want to read from General Conference. This is last General Conference, last in April. Um, and it's a, to- it's a story told by Elder Dykes where he dropped into a cave with his son and it was complete darkness and talked about how light, how even the littlest bit of light can drown out darkness around us. He asked the question, do I have that light in my life? If not, when was the last time I did? Just as sunlight daily bathes the earth to renew and sustain life, you can daily brighten the light within you when you choose to follow him, Jesus Christ. A drop of sunshine is added every time you seek God in prayer Study the scriptures to hear him, act on guidance and revelation from our living prophets, and obey and keep the commandments to walk in all the ordinances of the Lord. You will invite spiritual sunlight into your soul and peace into your life each time you repent as you partake of the sacrament every week to take the Savior's name upon you, to always remember him and keep his commandments. His light will shine within you. Now, I love that idea, and I think that's what this section is teaching too, that we can do things to add light into our life. And I think that's so important, but it also begs the question for me of how does that work with transactional faith? I think this can easily start to teach that principle of if I keep the commandments, this is going to happen, or I'm going to be guaranteed this light and truth. And that um, kind of some of that quote, I think, is that same way of that's not really how the Lord works yet. It's hard to explain it otherwise. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. If we're not careful, this uh, can turn into kind of tit-for-tat obedience, right? We obey this commandment so that we can get this blessing, where what we should be doing is obeying commandments out of love for God. Um, 
And I think that's the power of section 93. Um, I've heard people say, you know, if, if God loves us, then he really wouldn't put expectations on us, right? That's not what God does. And if we believe in his grace, then he's done everything for us, right? We don't need to earn salvation because Jesus Christ met the demands for salvation, all of which is true, but it's not all the way true. Um, God doesn't just love us. He doesn't only love us. He loves us and desires growth for us, which is why I think in verse 36, it says the glory of God is intelligence or another light, in other words, light and truth. And then he kind of explains uh, our plan of salvation, right? Uh, verse 38, every spirit of man was innocent in the beginning. And God, having redeemed man from the fall, men became again in their infant state, innocent before God. And then you jump over to verse 26. The spirit of truth is of God. I am the spirit of truth. And John bore record of me saying he received a fullness of truth, yea, even of all truth. And no man receiveth a fullness unless he keepeth his commandments. He that keepeth his commandments receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. In other words, God desires our growth. And because he desires our growth, he gives us commandments, uh, instructions, if you will, on how to acquire, how to receive light, truth, glory, power, intelligence, joy, like he has. The gospel is simply God's way of telling us, this is how you grow and develop and become like me. This is how you acquire the light and the truth and the power and the knowledge and the glory that I have and that I use to create and to govern. And I think that's such a beautiful perspective and, and transformative in Christianity. I, the, I think it was the Revelations in Context talked about how... Um, powerful section 93 is as it changes, expands our understanding in Christianity of what our relationship with God is. It's not just that he loves us and that we love him. It's that he loves us and desires that we love and become like him. And section 93 tells us how to do that. Exactly. And I think that's how this study can really help you connect to God in new ways this week. As you study the things that you can do, not for this idea of I'm going to do this and God's going to bless me this, but more of the idea of how can I turn more to the Lord to receive more light from him? I have in my mind's eye that the vision of a really fast video of a sunflower growing is that slowly it grows and it turns itself to the light. And I think that's the opportunity we have as we come to know and understand who God is and how Jesus Christ can help us um, grow into this fullness and to receive more light so that there's less darkness around us. That darkness isn't going to go away, but we can certainly find ways to fill our lives and our hearts with his light. Well, and like you mentioned from Elder Dykes, there are so many things we can do on a daily basis, small things that add drops of light. And I think that's a, 
an actual literal thing that's happening when we read scriptures, when we pray, uh, when we worship, when we serve. We are acquiring more light and truth or power, glory, or intelligence or joy that helps us become more like God. I really appreciate at the end of this section where the Lord gives some practical examples. So to help you connect something you could do today is listen to what the Lord says to Frederick G. Williams, right? He chastises him in verse 42 for not teaching his children light and truth. And then he commands him in verse 43 to set in order your own house. Then to Sidney Rigdon in verse 44, he says the same thing, set in order thy own house. Joseph Smith himself gets chastised. And in Newell K. Whitney in verse 50, the similar commandment, set in order his family. I think something that this, uh, a practical thing that we can do with this truth in section 93 is today, have a discussion with those people in your home. And if it's just you, great, you have a discussion with yourself. But if you have a spouse or if you've got children or brothers and sisters or parents, talk to them about this and see what things you could do in your home that would set your home in order, or in other words, that would align your house, your home, more with these principles of light and truth. The idea of um, aligning, uh, setting your eye single to the glory of God, I think is this idea. I'm going to line up my life and my home in such a way, as you mentioned, Krista, the sunflower orienting towards the sun, so that light, truth, power, and glory can come to me in my home. So I think that's a great discussion to have this week with your family. Thank you so much for studying with us this week. Um, We will be back next week with Zach's other favorite (laughs) section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Have a great week.